we have been spending the last year and a half focusing on the Christ. And as we have considered the topic, you can see all the different uh, subtopics that came flying in there. The shadow of Christ, the life of Christ, the return of Christ, the reign of Christ, the reflection of Christ, that we have considered over this past year and a half. And today, um, I believe, is the final of the messages for that whole series, the 66th message of the series. And uh, we have, in this past year, looked at the reflection of Christ coming out of the reign of Christ, considering that when Christ is residing and reigning in your heart, then it will be reflected in your life. And so that what we say and what we do is going to be a reflection of who or what is living in our hearts. And then we stated that not only is that the, the way individually, but it also is collectively, that as we gather together as individual reflections, if you would, individual lights, then collectively we should be a larger light, we should be a larger reflection. Um, and so as we've considered it, we have been looking at the one another passages. We've considered loving one another, serving one another, bearing with one another, receiving one another. Last week we looked at edifying one another. And today, last but certainly not least, we want to look at praying for one another. Um, though it is the last message of the entire series, honestly, this probably is one of the most important ones of the series as well, other than you know focusing on Christ proper. But as we come together and we're told to love one another, truly the greatest expression of a people who love is to bear them up before the Lord. And it says in Scripture, if you know your brother or sister has a need, and you have whereof to meet that need, and you choose not to be a part of the need, how can you say that you love them? And so, how can you say you love ones that you, or him that you cannot see, that is God, when you don't love those that you do see? Well, the very, for a Christian, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, the very core, the very greatest way that we can love and it doesn't have to be a visible expression. It can be in our closets, if you would. The greatest way we can love one another is by praying for one another. And so that's what I want to look at today. And so though, again, it is the caboose, if you would, of 66 messages, it is probably one of the most important of the messages for us applicationally to our lives. Now, in your bulletins, if you received a bulletin, you have not a sermon note sheet, in a sense. Those are on the back table. You could have grabbed that. But you've got a verse sheet, okay? And um, we had a, psalm, a short psalm as our reading today, Bible reading, because all this is in addition to the Bible reading. So we're going to be looking at each one of these. Now, before I, before I and each one of them are going to be on the screen as well, before we, 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 we look at these, um, Kind of aside for free as well. Um, there are in hermeneutics, homiletics, um, yada yada, all the big terms that you, we use about teaching and studying the Bible. There are concepts. First of all, there is the word exegesis and the term eisegesis. The term eisegesis is is a practice that many people have, uh, and I try not to have this practice, though I know it probably slips in. In the term eisegesis, eisegetics means reading into a passage. It comes from the Greek word ace, 
not ice, but ace, E-I-S, okay? And it's ace in the Greek, asegesis, but we call it eisegesis. Um, and it means into. And Jesus is getting knowledge from, is, is from Gnosko, okay? And it means then putting knowledge into a passage or reading into a passage what you want to read out of it. So in other words, I've got something I want to say, and I go out to find what? Proof text to say it. And even if they don't say it, they're close enough, they said something about something in it, and so I'm going to throw it out there anyway to make it look like I had something there. And so I'm going to read into the text what I wanted to say. Exegesis, on the other side, is from the Greek word ek, meaning out from. And so I'm taking knowledge out from the passage. It is my heart's desire, and hopefully our heart's desire, that we practice exegetical preaching here. That's what we tell people, that we have exegetical preaching, expository preaching, that we posit out from the text, not reading it into the text There are also then another concept that I want to throw in here, and that is the terms inductive and deductive teaching. I teach you every Sunday in a deductive manner. Okay? I give you an outline. Okay? And then we go through the outline. But what I want to share with you a little bit this morning is kind of the other side, the the other side of the process. And it's the inductive side. Because I honestly go from an inductive approach to the deductive approach of presentation. The inductive side then states that I go to a passage, you go to a passage hopefully, and maybe even series of passages, and you're going to again look at it exegetically. You're going to try to see what's in the passage and draw the truths out from it. And so inductively then you might highlight key key thought processes that go on. So like if you're looking at the book of Jonah, you know, you, you, you might note the fact that Jonah's throughout the book. It kind of makes sense, right? So you might circle Jonah. You might see places where Jonah is running from things. And so every time he's running, you might put a little person running over it or whatever. Little things that kind of help you see themes that you, when you're going through a book. One of the hardest things for me has been over this past year and a half is that most of these messages have been Topical, And if you've been following along with this the whole time, you'll note that many times I, I keep trying to go back to my expository style. And that is, I, I'm just going to go to a, a passage and I'm going to preach the passage because that's just my, my temperament, my, my style. And so, um, but when we come into one that's just really topical like this, you can see where you're going to find out this morning is how str- much a struggle it is for me because I go to every one of these passages and I, and I seek the, and I exposit them, you know, and, 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 I, and, and then trying to, to drive an outline that's coming from, you know, 10, 20 different passages. And this morning you see as many, even more passages. And uh, that, that's something that's, that's true across the board biblically. And so what I've done for you is I've given you the answers to the outline um, where all the blanks are. So if you, you kind of get that together, if you're doing one of those people, you can say, oh, ah, I got the answers. You can't say it that way because I just told you that, okay? So... But they're there for you. And so you're going to note that as we go through these passages, you've got it color-coded, blue, gray, pink, yellow, and green. And no, those colors don't, don't do the psychoanalysis on me on my color usage. I, I did it to myself after, you know, 
because compassion was one of the final things I saw coming through all this thing. And the color I had left was gray. And then I thought to myself, oh, man, that should have been pink because pink's more compassion color than gray. Is Gray's kind of like a kind of color. And so maybe that should have been commitment and, you know, and compassion should have been pink. And I thought, no, I'm not going through this whole process um, and changing all my colors. Okay. So anyway, so don't psychoanalyze my color usage here. Um, just be glad that it's consistent, or hopefully it's consistent. So as we go through these passages, what you're going to see then is what I saw as I started reading all these passages on prayer and praying for one another and how Paul prayed for the church and how people in the church prayed for one another and how I started to see themes throughout all these things. And then those themes came back in, from, in my brain, worked out into an outline. Does that make sense? And so hence, that's where this... Uh, two-part outline, one having three subpoints and one having two points, came from um, within all this. Okay, so we're going to do a bunch of reading now. Okay, so we're going to start off with Acts 2, 41 and 42, and we read, "Then those who gladly received his word, those are what believers. Okay, were baptized. In that day, about three thousand souls were added to them, and they, that is the ones who were glad to receive his word, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's their teaching." in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers, okay? And so, just real quick, just slight commentary, because I'm not going to be able to come back to these individually. We're going to come back to them in concept. Note there were four primary things that that early church stayed together with. They, they stayed together for doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Prayers was 25% of the core values of the early church. You know, a lot of people talk about core values today and da 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 Well, if you want to know what the core values of a church ought to be, it's given to us right in the scripture. Teaching, fellowship, communion, breaking of bread, okay, and prayers, okay? There ought to be those things that are going on. Next we read Acts 4, verses 23 to 35. And being let go, that is Peter and, and John, okay, this is when they got beat up for, for preaching in Jesus' name. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported. And I should have actually, now that I read this again, it's amazing how you, you see new things as you read through it again. I would, now I would put own companions in blue. Okay? In fact, I might even put own in blue and companions in, in gray um, because of the, the relationship. But probably all in blue. Own companions, there's a, there's a communion happening there. So being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord, that's communion as well, and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of all those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and distributed to each one that has need. And you say, why was all the rest of that read? Because that's all based upon the fact they got together and they what? They prayed. 
They they were in the face of persecution, but they faced the persecution with prayer. They came together with a prayer and they said, God, God, we don't want to back down. We don't want to be, we don't want to be bullied around. We want boldness. We want to stand before this world and we want to be the testimony that you want us to be. And all this came out of it. They had boldness and they had all things in common. Acts 12, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now we have not just prayer generically for the church, but we actually have prayer being made specifically for an individual. Okay? Acts, or I'm sorry, Romans 1, verses 8 to 12. Paul says to the, to the believers of Rome, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing, without ceasing, could you say that? I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul says, looky, I, 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 it is my desire, it's my compassion. I want to come be with you so I can help you, so I can minister and serve to you, and that you can be a blessing to me. I, you can be an encouragement to me. It's not all about Paul here. It's about God and what, what God can use me to do for you and what God can use you to do for me. To the church of Philippi, he says a similar thing. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and offense and the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers, communers with me of grace. For in that again, you are partakers of with me in grace should be in um, blue. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And we'll come back to that laundry list, if you would, of prayer requests a little bit later on. But again, Paul, in the beginning of his book to the Philippines, again, just expresses his, his love for, for them. To the believers of Corinth, he says, I thank my God always concerning for you, for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly awaiting, waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. To the believers in Ephesus, Paul says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, in what? is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, 
according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Continuing in his letter to the, to the believers of Ephesus, he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And finally, in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, at the very tail end of the um, the, the suit of armor um, that we're supposed to put on, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then to the believers of Colossae, Paul stated, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard, be- which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is always, as it is also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God of tr- in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Now, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers or communers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Toward the end of his book, letter to the Colossians, he wrote, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make make it manifest as I ought to speak. And then finally in chapter 4, he stated in verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. This isn't Paul. That's not Barnabas. This is just a, a regular guy. I mean, you know, we could excuse Paul. You know, Paul was the apostle, you know, chosen by God. He, you know, saw Jesus in, in the bright light and that kind of stuff. So he's superhuman, you know. So Jesus doesn't count. Paul doesn't count. This is Epaphras he's talking about. Epaphras. Laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. In his letter to the Thessalonians, Thessalonians, Paul states, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. 
And then he continues in his second letter to the Thessalonians. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because of you, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. And again, that would be communion as well, abounding toward one another. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness in the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you in you and him according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our final passage, James 5, says, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, we read through all those and hopefully you were able to see through some of that color coding some of the themes that I saw, some of the things that I saw recurring over and over again and said, wow, okay, now how do I, how do I congeal all that into a thought process? I think um, in outlines, okay? I don't know how you think. There was a, a, the guy who started the, the church or the seminary where I went, um, E.R. Jordan, his, his concept of homiletics was he loaded up the dump truck and on Sunday he tipped it over, okay? And so it was... It came out however it came out. And that was his style. That, I'm not diminishing that. I think in outlines, okay? Even when I talk, I talk in points, you know, a lot of times. And so, so for Bob, it's a struggle when Bob's dump truck is full and it looks like a bunch of spaghetti noodles, okay? I, I, I like my spaghetti, not, not, not really when I eat it this way, but, but I'd rather have my spaghetti noodles when it comes to thought processes being all lined up, you know, right next to each other. Does that make sense? I'm not the interweaving kind of guy. You know, it's okay if they're sitting next to each other and they're touching one another, and I understand that they have something to do with each other, but I really like them lined up. So for me, then, as I went through those color coding and, I start, and those themes, you know, and again, they weren't color coded necessarily off the bat. I just started kind of high, you know, underlining passages and circling verse words and, and, kind of, and, and bringing them together and saying, wow, that's commitment. Oh, that's this, that's this. And so one thing I saw was there was a motivation um, that was behind the prayer. Why was it that Paul or James or Peter or Jesus or whoever, why was it that they were praying? I mean, they're, 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 in order for you to do anything for anybody, or even to do it for yourself, there's a what? There's a motivation, even if it's selfishness. Selfishness is a very prime motivator, you know? You, you want to do it for yourself, and so you what? So you do it, no matter what the expense is to anybody else. Well, hopefully, as we're t- discussing these one another passages, selfishness has been put on the, on the back burner, you know? And we're looking at selflessness. We're looking at Christ-likeness. And, and so, therefore, I'm putting you on the front burner. Well, what's my motivators for doing that? Well, the first mo- motivator that, um, in my mind, as I saw that, 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 the theme that came together was the communion. There is a communion that we have with one another. Well, the word communion um, in the Greek is the word koinonia. Okay? It's actually where the, the term that we get um, for the Greek text that we use. Um, it's called koine Greek. Okay? I mean, I don't know how many people know that or not, but um, in, in German, at least when I was learning German umpteen thousand years ago, there was two Germans. There was Hochdeutsch and Süddeutsch. Is it true? We learned Hochdeutsch, although nobody 
not many people in Germany, Deutschland, spoke Hochdeutsch. They spoke so Deutsch. Is that true? No, they spoke Hochdeutsch. From what I understood, Süddeutsch was the, the, the German of the common people. Hochdeutsch was the, the pr proper German. Okay. Well, same thing. You got classical Greek and you got Koine Greek. Classical Greek was, you know, what the the, the Iliads and everything else was written in. But then you got the, the Greek of the the commoner, Koine, common Greek. That's all it means. So when you hear that term Koine Greek, you got the in on them. You got the skinny. It just means common Greek. It's just the Greek of the common people. And that's what the Bible was written in. And that's exciting to me. Because, you know, a little side, this is free, okay? All this debate over versions and everything, and, you know, the 1611 and da 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 When God wanted his word proclaimed, he proclaimed it in what? The common language. So people could what? Understand it, okay? I'm no more comments on that one. You get it. And so this concept of communion was the koinonia. And the best word I could come up with is the word camaraderie, which I never heard of until someone missed it in the National Spelling Bee. Anyways, um, C-A-M-A-R-A-D-E-R-I-E. Do I have it right? No, I know what it is. And uh, anyways, we won't say how we learned that word. Anyways, other than the National Spelling Bee, somebody missed it. Anyways, and it, what, it, what it means is, one for all and all for one. It means that we are together in all things. And so like in Acts chapter 4, when when the people were, were saved and, and, they, and they continued together in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayer and coming out of that, then they had all things in in common. And then we saw later in Acts chapter 5, after they were beat up and they weren't told, and they prayed for boldness and everything, and coming out of it, people were what? They started to sell their property, even. It wasn't they just had all things in common. Now they're going to sell property. They're doing everything. Well, if I have this commonality, this communion with you all, then I, in a sense, have this binding with you, this bonding with you. It's kind of like we talked about with the edifying one another um, from Ephesians chapter 4, where it's the sinews are all attached together as the body of Christ. And so as I'm doing this with my fingers, think about it. My body is what? They're interweaving. And there are multiple facets of my body that are working together to make my fingers interlock. You know, it's not just my left, left hand and my right hand working together, but my shoulders had to work together. My elbows worked together. My wrists were working together. There were thought processes coming through the sinews of my brain that were coming down into it, and everything is working together. Well, the same concept now in prayer, praying for one another. If I see myself as having a koinonia, all things in common with you, then technically, selfishly, if you would, it's to my advantage to pray for you. Does that make sense? Not that I want to put a selfish slant on this thing, but the reality is if we're in this business, quote-unquote, and it's not a business, but if we're using that colloquialism, if we're in this business together, then it then it's, behooves me to seek your betterment. Make sense? How many times we don't see it, though? And we don't pray for one another as we're commanded to pray for one another. We don't go before the, God's throne with the boldness, having the access, which he's given us by the blood of Christ, Hebrews chapter 10. To pray for one another. 
Well, not just our communion that we have that I saw throughout all those passages, but in that there was a there was a compassion then because we had it that there was a desire, a longing for one another. They actually loved each other. Go figure. Now, we've talked about this in the past, but ultimately, love is not just a feeling. It's a a decision. It's an act of the will. I remember a um, Don Francisco song. I don't know if he wrote it or, or who did, but the heart of the song says, love is not a feeling, it's an act of the will. And, and talked about Jesus on the cross. He wasn't hanging there because he, he, he was really enjoying it, but he made a decision in his love for us to be the sacrifice for us. Do you understand? And so many times... Our love for one another is an act of our will. It's a decision process. Compassion, then, though at times we have a feeling, oh, I, I have this inner yearning for you, many times compassion is a choice, is an act of the will, not an act of my feeling. If I'm trusting in my feelings, my inner heart. You know, the world says, just follow your what? Follow your heart. Well, the Bible says your heart is what? Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now, I understand that Jesus is coming to my heart and he's cleansing my heart, but I also understand, Paul says, that there's this battle that's going on within me as well, the wanting to do with the flesh is there and wanting to do with the spirit is there. Well, well, so if I know that I can't trust myself at times, I'm certainly not wanting to follow my heart. I want to follow what? The heart of God. I want to follow the will of God. I want to be looking in his word and seeing what he says. And God tells me to be compassionate on people. And sometimes that has to be a decision, not a feeling. I just don't feel a burden for the salvation of my neighbor. So therefore, I don't have to what? I don't have to witness. I just don't have a burden for him. Now you're all looking at me like what? You're nuts. You're right. I mean, where does God ever give us the out? When does he ever give you the out that you've got to feel like it in order to read his word? I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't know how many times I hear this. I, I really don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, and so, I mean, I, you know, just to, to pick up his Bible and just start reading it when I don't feel like it. You know, I, I, I don't feel like I'm having a relationship with him. How do you think you get it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I mean... Who do you think that that ploy comes from? The devil. It certainly isn't from God. There's a lot of times I don't feel like reading the Word of God. And I start off with it in a prayer before God. God, I'm here in rote. I'm here in obligation. I'm here because this is my quiet time and I'm supposed to be here. Change my heart while I'm reading. <laughs> that, that I'm excited in reading. You know, my eyes are barely open. I would rather be in bed. But my spirit yearns for you, though my flesh is fighting against it. So help me out. That's an okay prayer. Do you know why? Because God knew my heart anyway. He knew when I sat down it was how I was feeling. It's okay to express your heart. Well, you know what? It's the same thing when you come to praying for one another. Do you have a compassion that is built upon a decision. Ultimately, the feelings will come. The burden for one another will come. 
But you have to make the decision to lift one another up before the throne of grace. The question is, are you willing to do it? Are you willing then to put it into practice? It may be a matter of making a list. Now, I praise the Lord that Phyllis has taken up, you know, when Amanda left, Phyllis has taken up the, the prayer sheet. There are prayer sheets on the back, on the information table back there with different requests that have been presented Wednesday nights and then potentially during the testimony time. We have a prayer at familybiblechurch.org. I think it's on the front of the bulletin, is it not? Somebody check on the front of the bulletin. I believe we have that listed there. We do? Yes? If you have a prayer request, send it there. I think, Phyllis, we've got that thing going again now, right? Yep, okay. If you have a prayer request, it's there. We can send it out. The other thing we need to do, I think, Phyllis, is we need to make sure that you have everybody's email address, too, so that it can actually be broadcasted out. Okay? I hope you all are getting my prayer updates just from the point of view of what's going on with the church. If I know you all are new, so I don't have yours yet. I need to get emails from you. But if you're not getting it, okay, let me know. You ought to be getting those things. We ought to be praying for one another. There needs to be a compassion to pray for one another. Now, in that, though, we're not really going on this side. I may have a compassion for you, and I may be lifting you up before the Lord, but I may not be able to be lift you up before the Lord with things that are really in your, burdening your heart because you're not willing to what? Share them. And so there needs to be an openness with one another as well. That's that confessing your sins to one another. And now it doesn't have to be the confession of sins, but honestly, when's the last time? Okay, now I can, I can, I can tell you the last time for here, but when is the last time, honestly, outside of us meeting together here, someone just came walking up to you and confessed a sin to you and said, pray for me, I'm struggling with this. That needs to be happening in the body. That we pray for one another. That we lift up one another before the throne of grace. And that would require, then, a commitment to one another. Did you notice how many times it says, it talked about fervently praying, praying unceasingly, that it talked about a, a determined will to pray. I mean, honestly, let's think about this. When we go to war, and specifically I'm thinking of Desert Storm, but I'm, I'm sure it's consistent in the others, the very first thing that we attack is what? Communications. Communications. I almost wore my signal core little thing. I guess I still have some of those things. I was going to, that's right, as a tie tack today. Communications, you know, I am signal, hear me speak. Is that, isn't that how they started? Help me out, Rodney. I am signal, hear me speak. I think that's how we say it. Anyways, it's communications. Yeah, it, it's communications. And so we went into Iraq and we wiped out all the communication lines so that the enemy could not talk to each other. Do you know, not saying that we're Satan, Satan has the same attack plan. We wipe out communications and supply lines. Do you know what Satan goes for? Communications supply lines. He takes out your prayer time. He takes out your Bible reading. And you know what happens? The same exact thing happened in Iraq. When we started to send in our, our tanks and our troops, all the, 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 the top troops of Iraq did what? Surrender. Surrender. It, they give it up. And the same thing happens to us as believers. We're not spending time before God's throne, and we're not spending time in God's word. 
we're dead meat. They're just going, Satan's just going to walk all over us. We're easy targets. And so therefore, yes, yes, there will be distractions. Anytime, anytime you want to spend focused time in prayer, you will have distractions. It is amazing to me what Saturday night and Sunday mornings look like in my house. Why? Because we're preparing to worship God together as a family and with, with the body. God does, I mean, sorry, Satan doesn't want you to come together to worship God. That's the furthest thing that he wants is God to be worshipped, God to be glorified. He doesn't want you to have a family prayer time or a family altar in the evenings, whether you do it at dinner time or whether you do it in the evening, whether you so to have a time where you read the Bible together and sing some songs together and pray together. You should be seeking to do that. Now, we're not faithful in doing all three of those things all the time, okay? But that's our desire around 9 o'clock-ish. 8.40, 9.30, 10 o'clock, depends on what time the schedule. We're going to try to gather together, and we're going to at least pray together as a family. Hopefully we can read the Bible. Hopefully we'll sing some songs. Maybe we'll sing songs and pray. Maybe we'll read the Bible and pray. Maybe we'll just pray, depending because it's 11 o'clock at night. We're just getting home. Let's get together and pray. Satan will do whatever he can to inhibit that. Well, that's us as a family. What about in the morning when I get up to spend focused time in prayer? I get frustrated when I hear about people who are going to get up 15 minutes before they walk out of the house. You are not affording yourself any opportunity for quiet time. Period. How can you get up, get ready to go, and have time in the Word and prayer in 15 minutes? It doesn't happen. Well, I'm going to pray in the car. You can do that. Somebody jumps in front of you. The, the, the light changes. Something happens. And what happens? You are distracted i just want to challenge you this body will continue to grow spiritually when we fight the war spiritually when we understand what god desires us to be as a body spiritually and that is praying for one another motivations then what's your motivators motivators we have this communion with one another there should be a compassion for one another and there ought to be then a commitment to one another that i am willing to do, go to whatever ta- whatever level it is for you in that well the other side of that then is what's the mode what's the mode of our prayer and i saw as i came through this two different things of prayer two types of prayer first of all there was the the thanksgiving that was going on there was always this this thanksgiving that was happening and paul said he was thankful for their witness in their testimony. Now, now I want you to think about this as I go through this. I'm going to go through, there's a few of them here, but when we get to this next one, there's a laundry list, okay? And, and it's going to be like the FedEx guy, okay? And what I want to challenge you with is the same thing I was challenged with, okay? Does my prayer time look like this? When I'm thinking of you, am I thinking this? Am I praying, when we get to this point, praying for these things? Are you asking God for these things? Or are you more worried about Aunt Bertha's bunion on her little toe? Or are you more worried about your dog who, who, who has, you know, um, a, a need for babies or whatever? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing something really silly, okay? I'm, I'm just trying to be really goofy, okay? But sometimes I think our prayer lives are goofy. You know? There was a song by the Kingsman Quartet years ago. They were from Cedarville. And it says... Uh, and I, I meant to bring out the laundry list. Anyways, it was, wasn't it called laundry list? Anyways, um, you know, shopping, shopping list. It was called shopping list. Give me this, give me that. Here, bless me, Lord, I pray. Give me what I think I need to make it through the day. 
make me healthy, make me wealthy, um, da, 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 on my never-ending shopping list. Anyways, and that's what we are with God. You know, I want a Cadillac, I want this, you know. And so it's funny, as I've been going through this, and Joan Baez's song, you know, Lord, you know, Lord, won't you give me a Mercedes-Benz, my friends all riding Porsches. I mean, I mean, I'm like, this is satanic war. I mean, like, I don't even listen to, I'm not listening to Joan Baez. But now all of a sudden I'm studying on prayer and I'm studying on supplication, and Joan Baez comes running into my brain. Where is she coming from? I don't even know if she's still alive. Anyways, and so here I am fighting a song about, Lord, won't you give me a Mercedes-Benz? And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want a Mercedes-Benz. Why is this thing running through my brain? You know? I mean, this is the antithesis of everything I'm thinking right now. So, but my question to you is then, as we go through this, can you honestly say, yep, this is the reflection of my prayer life. Pastor Bob could be writing down my prayer life right now. Okay? If it's not, because this isn't mine, okay, this is from the Bible, then I have got some work to do. I've got some changing the way I think to have happen in my prayer life. I've got some commitment. I've got some increased time that I've got to devote in my quiet time in the morning. Paul says he's thankful for your witness and testimony. I need to be thankful for your witness. I mean, this is, I'm applying it here, Family Bible Church, for your witness and testimony, for your fellowship in the gospel, for your gifting. Remember this is where Paul was talking about how God had gifted them with all these spiritual gifts and everything? I mean, am I thankful for the gifts that God has given you, or am I jealous? They get the focus because of it. No. Are we thankful for the gifts that God has given? Thankful for your faith and love for the brethren. I can honestly say I, I this is, I mean, I, I am, I'm so thankful for this body of believers. I really am. And a lot of those things would be true, but not necessarily specifically. But we ought to be. That'll be something that just daily that we're thinking about. God, thank you for the group of believers you've put me together with. Supplication. Now, this is the, the big one. This is a side where I think that, honestly, Bob struggles with. And, and I'm going to include you just to make me feel better, okay, that, that we struggle with, okay? So maybe none of you struggle with this, but just don't tell me, okay? One of you can tell me. Don't everybody come up and tell me that you're all good on this one and that's just me. Then I'd really, really feel bad, okay? So in your love for me, oversee my, oversee my sin at this moment and pray for me, okay, that I would grow in the area of prayer in this area. Paul starts off with, or Paul, I'm sorry, the believers, start, that they would have boldness in witnessing. Now, specifically, they were praying for the apostles in that time. But they were praying, by extension as well, for themselves. And what did we see that after they prayed for one another to have boldness in their witnessing? They did. They did. They had great boldness. And when they prayed that, what happened where they met? Not just that. The house shook. Power came upon them. And, I mean, now, in October... End of September, beginning of October, we're going to have our, our week of prayer and fasting again. Straight up, it's always a very lightly, very lightly, very, very lightly attended week. And I wonder, what would happen if God's people put a priority on prayer? On getting together 
in taking time to pray for one another. Even if we were here for three hours praying, even if bedtimes got pushed back, even if, if, if school start schedules the next day got pushed back, whatever. People miss school for lesser things than prayer. People push back their schedules for fireworks. I'd like to see some spiritual fireworks. So look forward to it. That you may have boldness in witnessing. That you may be encouraged. The word there means to put courage into. Parakaleo, we talked about last week as well, means to call alongside. To call somebody alongside. That you would be encouraged. Do you pray for the people in this congregation to be encouraged? That you may grow in discernment in love. Now, this is great in Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, he says, I'm not just praying that you grow in love, but I'm praying that you grow in the discernment of love. That it's not a wishy-washy love, but that you have wisdom in your love. You have discernment in your love. That you may approve things that are Excellent. Not just good. Not just okay. He could have used those terms. I'm praying for you to approve things that are good. You know, there's good, better, and best, right? He's saying, I want you to have the bestest of all the goodest things there are. I want you to be able to prove things that are excellent. I note throughout the scriptures that God's standard is always perfection. It's always excellence. That's what I want in the job site when we do work. This week, and this is not Pat Bob's back, I don't mean it that way. We were only paint, paid to paint walls. They didn't want paint to trim. Well, then there's this one piece of trim here because there's a scuff on it. You just put a little paint on that. My name's on that job, you know? So we painted the walls, and as I look down the hall, what do I see? I say, Aki Trim. <laughs> I mean, the person before me, now I'm painting a color that's almost exactly the same color. They didn't know exactly the color that they used. And so we put the color charts up there and try to find colors that were almost exact. So the color is close enough that it looks like my color. So when I look down it, I see that I painted all over the trim. No, I didn't. But if you walked in the house, that's what you're going to think, right? And I look down and I see, ah. So you know what I did? I had to buy some white trim paint anyway for this one spot which there's no way I'm just going to paint that so we painted the whole wall because it was wainscoting and stuff like that so I had to you know, make it all right I went throughout all the halls and stuff and I painted all the trim and, and the sides of the door that just drives me bonkers when I look at a door and, and somebody has painted the dark color on the side of the door the trim is supposed to be trim you know, and that includes the side of the, the, the door trim. I'm seeing some people say yes. Some of you haven't even thought about that. But when you walk into a house, when there's door trim, the side of that trim ought to be white, if that's what the color is, not brown. And all around the house is brown. And I'm looking down, and I'm saying brown. I can't live with that. And Ben's just looking at me like, here we go. Dad's, Dad's on this perfectionist thing. I mean, we're here. You know, we thought it's going to be a short day. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm painting up the edges, you know, and everything. So that when someone looks down the hall... From my perspective, okay? Now, they may look at it. The owner may come back and go, Ah, what did he do? We wanted brown on the side of those doors. But at least I had the come, knowing that from my perspective. Excellence. Now, I'm sure somewhere else in the job, 
something wasn't excellent. I'm sure I missed the mark. I'm, I'm human, and so I know I, perfection is, is rare to attain. But that's the goal. I want the goal to be excellence. When someone walks in, they say, wow, wow. In fact, the real estate lady, agent, whatever, walked in on Thursday, and she did give me a wow. She says, you need to go to the, the headquarters, and you can give them your name. We need somebody who's going to do a job right. And all we were doing is taking the, the cover plates off, not trying to cover, you know, paint around them and getting paint all over the cover plates. Big deal, you know. Well, how long did that take us? Anyways, but from other people's perspectives, they see that, that you may approve things that are excellent. That's my prayer for one another, for us. I hope you pray for me on that too. Pray for one another. That we're not willing to accept mediocrity. That we're looking for excellence. That we may approve things that are excellence. That we may be sincere. Sincere. Not just a fraud. Not just face... Uh, uh, the facade that's out there, but that it's true on the inside, that you may be sincere, that you may receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. Wow, when's the last time that you prayed for someone that they would really, that God would just knock their socks off, that, that as they're reading the word that day, that God would show them something that, that they'd never seen before and would just wow them. And then maybe they would be able to use that to encourage the brethren as well that you may receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ, that you may know what is the hope of his Christ calling, the riches of inheritance. Listen, if you want to pray for somebody to be encouraged, if you want to, someone who's being depressed, this is where they need to be. They need to know what's the hope of Christ calling, the riches of his inheritance, that nothing that's happening on the earth is worth any distress that's going on here. I mean, I'd love to have that property. But even at the, the Columbia County meeting, I, you know, I'm praying for God's will. If it's God's will, we'll get it. If it's not, we won't. And it's okay. They just look at me like I'm nuts. You know, I mean, I, no, I didn't say it this way. I mean, if it's God's will, they ain't going to inhibit it. I was political. I didn't say that to them. But, but I want them to say, on the other hand, I'm okay. If something happens, if, if, if for some reason we can't get a loan, if for, they won't sell it to us, Columbia County stops it, that wasn't what God had for us. Now, on my earthly fleshly side i would love to have that property i can vision it i can see it but ultimately as jesus said in the garden it's not my will but thine be done and the reality is i know that as beautiful as that property is that ain't nothing compared to what i'm going to see in less than 100 years from now now i'm not telling you a day i don't have no idea when i'm going to die it could be today but i know that 100 years from now Theoretically, I'm mean, 151. I'm not going to make it that far. So I'm being there. I'm going to see something that so surpasses anything that's here on the earth. And so because of that, that hope of our calling, the riches of his inheritance, be prayer for one another on that. That you may know the greatness of Christ's power. When's the last time you prayed that for someone else? That they would know, they would know the greatness of Christ's power. That you may be able to comprehend the love of Christ and be filled with with the fullness of God. Not just have a little part, but be filled with the fullness of God. That you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and understanding. Somebody's asking, they're seeking God's will. Do you pray for them? And do you pray that God would give them the wisdom and understanding to, to all wisdom and understanding and knowing His will in the situation that they're in? 
that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, that you may be fruitful in every good work, in increasing in the knowledge of God, that you may have an open door to speak the mystery of Christ. I mean, we put it out many, many times, going knocking on doors, asking people to pray, pray, pray. Come, join us, but pray that as we go knocking on doors that we have an open door. That you may stand perfect and complete. I love this because this is teleo and... and uh, it's the other word I always talk about. Teleo is perfection and completeness. The, the, the cup is full. It is pleroma. And anyways, there's two main words that, that talk about this maturity, completion and everything. And Paul talks about that you may be able to stand perfect and complete. In other words, you're it. You're mature in Christ in all the will of God that you may know it. Wow, do we really pray that we can be perfect and complete in the will of God? And finally, that was my fireworks at the end there, that you may glorify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you know that nowhere on that list were they praying for health, wealth? I mean, they weren't praying for some of the frivolous things that we pray for. And I'm not saying things that we're worried about aren't important to God. But what I'm saying is that there's a spiritual war that's going on. And there are a whole lot, there's things that are a whole lot more important than some of the things we're worried about. The souls of men are eternal. And people are dying every day and going to hell. And God wants you and I, one another, to be in a unit, a body, that is committed to one another. Charles, you were in the 101st for years. You probably like the 82nd Airborne. Are you guys bonded when, when you're there as a unit? Do, are you confident the guy beside you is going to watch your back? 100%. I wouldn't want to be in a unit that's... That, that is a um, ready def, um, RDF, ready deployment force. I don't want to be in a ready deployment force. That means that the, before you even know the balloon went up, you and I, they are already gone, and they're already there. Think Granada. 82nd Airborne was in Granada before you ever read about it or heard about it. The war was already happening on the beaches. They, went to, they, they got note in the middle of the night that they had to be in their unit, and the family didn't see them again for weeks. They're gone. They may go in, and the balloon goes up. They're gone. They have a backpack. Yes? Did you have a backpack that you could grab? 82nd Airborne does. They have a bag packed that's there at the unit. If word comes, they grab the pack, they go. The family doesn't get notification. Dad just doesn't show up at the end of the day. And then they say, oh, hmm, something's going on in the world. And that's the first notification. If you're in a unit like that, that ought to be our unit. You ought to know that everybody's got your back. Not just the boss man. Not just the pastor. But that we have a unit that is committed to one another, that has a compassion for one another, because we have a communion with one another. And we're going to be lifting up prayers of thanksgiving and supplication for one another. And yes, I care about your bunion on your little toe. 
But you know what? I care more about you raising your children to the glory of God, teaching them the word of God and his truth, of sharing the love of Christ with your neighbor, of you growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of you desiring more than anything else to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, that you would be conformed to the image of Christ, that you would not be conformed to this world, but that you would be transformed in the renewing of your mind, that you would be willing to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, which are your whole, your, your reasonable acts of worship. That's my desire for this body, that we would be ready to give an answer for the defense that's within us, or the defense for the hope that's within us. And sometimes I err on the side that I don't pray for the practical things that really bother you. And that is a, that's a, something that I got to be involved in because that's, you know, seeing individuals and people and caring for the people. But sometimes I think we err on that side more than we err on the spiritual side. Someone once said, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And the person that it was said to said, no, I think that too many people are too earthly minded to be any heavenly good. And I think that's us. That we struggle with the things of this world and we need to set our mind on things above in the heavens where Christ is seated upon a throne. And that's where we need to be praying. And then we need to be seeking God's face in those prayers. So, I ask you, how faithful are you, faithful are you in praying for one another? Are you truly thankful to God for each of the others in this assembly? And what does your prayer life look like? What types of things do you pray for? For yourself and for others. I mean, it's not just even for others, but... Are you selfish in your prayers for yourself? Or are you asking for the things that God would have for you? Let's pray. Father, I am grateful to you for your word. It is quick and it is powerful and it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is as the scalpel, Lord, that you use to cut and remove tumors from us, to divide us asunder between soul and spirit and bone and marrow. It is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that as we read your word, as we study your word, Lord, help us to meditate upon it. Lord, I pray that it would run through us over and over and over again, and that, Lord, we would become increasingly conformed to the word of God, Jesus Christ. That our lives would become more and more shaped into his image. Lord, that we would desire the things that you desire, that we would do the things that you would have us do, that we would be holy as you are holy, that we would love our family, our neighbors, our brethren, and even our enemies, as you love. Lord, help us to not look on our own things, but also on the things of others. And let us consider the value of others being more important than our own. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our prayer life, that we would not be as Pharisees and whitewashed sepulchers standing on the street corners, issuing out public prayers for recognition. But Lord, that they would be an overflow of our personal walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would be magnified. 
in our lives individually, in our homes, and in our assembly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.